Go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for Elaine and Naoko. We pray you continue to bless them and be with them as they're here. And Lord, we pray you bless our time here as we open your word. We ask for your Holy Spirit to speak. We ask that you would speak directly to our hearts. Help us to not just learn, but help us to find what we see in your word, not just get into our minds, but move all the way into our hearts. Help us to learn how to live these truths, God, and to live for you. So I ask that you bless this time, bless your word, anoint it with your Holy Spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2017, a study published in the Journal of Molecular Psychiatry reported that women are more likely than men to have the mind-reading gene mutation. 89,000 people all over the world were given this reading the mind in the eyes test. And so women were found to have in their DNA a genetic variant of chromosome 3, which gave them cognitive empathy. That's what they call this, which is the ability to recognize what a person is thinking or feeling just by looking into the other person's lives. How you like that? I guess women do have superpowers, huh? <laughs> I was wondering if there was suddenly a boost in sales of sunglasses by husbands who read this article, yeah. Well, I'm not so sure about that, but what I know is this, that God is omniscient, which means God knows everything, and he knows everything about you, what's in your mind, what's in your heart, what's going through you, everything. Well, as we continue our study in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar threatens his top advisors to interpret his troubling dream now without telling them what that dream was. But they couldn't do it. And you know why? Because this is something only God knows. No one knows but God. And that's the title of our message this morning. No one knows but God. We're going to be studying Daniel chapter 2 from verse 1 through 24 this morning. And really, we're going to just take the first part, part 1 of this whole story in this chapter. And uh, what we're going to see in our section we're going to study today uh, is number 1, this is our outline, the sleepless nights. Number 2, the serious command. And number 3, the saving prayer. So, uh, the idea, the theme today is no one knows but God. And we're going to begin with number one in our outline, the sleepless nights, the sleepless nights. So take a look with me here now, Daniel chapter two, beginning at verse one. It reads here, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Verse 2, then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And then verse 3, and the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. And we'll stop right there. We begin with when this trouble began. And it was the second year of the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, we read here in verse 1, which actually dates this time at 603 B.C. Now, it was at this time the king had 
dreams. Notice there's an S there. More than once, he dreamed this same dream, like over and over again. And this dream troubled him so much so that sleep left him, it says here. He had insomnia. He, he, he just couldn't sleep at all. The king was troubled by this repeating dream, so now the dreams turned into the sleepless nights. That's our heading. Now, I was thinking maybe for many nights he would fall asleep and then he dreamed this dream, right? And then the next night he fell asleep and he dreamed the same dream. And I don't know how many times it could be. Or maybe it was repeated over and over in, in one night. Like he had this dream, he woke up, and then, whoa, what's that? He fell asleep again, he had the same dream again. Maybe it happened several times there in one night. But either way, he was troubled about it. He, he, he wanted to know the meaning. It, it, it bothered him so much that he could not fall asleep anymore. So what did the king do? Well, in verse 2, right, he summoned, he commanded his top advisors, the royal advisors, to come and help him figure out what's going on and what this dream is. And so he summoned these top advisors to the king, and they were like first the magicians, it says here in the ESV. The root word means engraver, actually. And these were the astrologers who studied the stars and basically, quote-unquote, engraved or recorded the movements on, on clay tablet, tablets of these stars. And then they would use that, as we know today astrologers do, predict the future. But also his, uh, included in his advisors were the enchanters now these were it means mediums or or psychics who use incantations to speak and hear from the quote-unquote spirit world and then he also had part of the royal advisors what we read here is the sorcerers listed here they were the wizards the originally the the word for them comes from the word witchcraft and then finally listed here is the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans. They are all part of these, the, the top advisors in the court of the king. Now, Chaldeans were originally the people group who lived in that area of Babylon. And that's why sometimes they'll read here and they'll call Babylonians. They'll also call them Chaldeans. And remember Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon here. Well, here in this list of royal advisors, in the king's court, Chaldeans were actually the wise men. They were highly educated, and they were gifted in all these spiritual kind of arts that, that these other guys had. And most likely, commentators tell us that these were the leaders of this group of royal advisors to the king. So, the king summoned his special team right this is a crack team of his advisors and so he asked them in verse 3 i'm so troubled about my dream i need to know what it means so we see the king was desperate to know the interpretation and stop these sleepless nights you know i also read how these chaldeans actually had a dream reading system where they had kept records of people's dreams and they categorized them and then put them together in some sort of philosophy and laws and principles that would draw up conclusions and, and kind of like a dream manual, you know? Like someone come to them, I had this dream, and they oh, okay, well, if, if you had this dream, it'd be like this. And so if someone dreamed a dream or a certain dream, they could interpret it and predict what would happen in their life and give the meaning. 
So you can see why the king called them forward here. Now, what we see here is that Nebuchadnezzar asked the Chaldeans for help in knowing the meaning of his troubling dream. So right away in this section, we see, we see Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, asked the Chaldeans for help in knowing the meaning of his troubling dream. Now, you ever had those dreams? You ever had a dream, you know, and you think, Whoa, what, what, what is that, you know? Um, wow, well, is God trying to tell me something? You know, you ever had those dreams and you wake up, you're going, whoa, what's going on? One time I had, I had a crazy dream and I remember I, I was running around this huge amusement park trying to find my wife, Kristen. And I couldn't find her wherever I went. I, I kept looking and it was, it was, you know, in this dream, you, you start, you have these emotions too, right? These feelings of desperation and panic and where is she? <clears throat> excuse me, what's going on? I can't find her, you know. And everywhere I went, I couldn't find her. And, and it became annoying and frustrating and heartbreaking. All these emotions, things were going on. And then right in the middle of the dream, all of a sudden, I had to go to the bathroom. So I ran around the whole amusement park trying to find a bathroom everywhere. I couldn't find a bathroom. Or if I found a bathroom, someone was in it. And then I kept going to another and going to another, running around and running around. And suddenly I woke up. And guess what? I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Real bad. I don't know if you ever had that. You're dreaming. You're like, you know, oh, I got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Well, that part of the dream kind of made sense because I had to go, right? But the part of not being able to find Kristen, that wasn't true because, you know, after I got back, she was still sleeping right there. So I say this because not all dreams is what they seem you know not all dreams is like oh this special message from the lord to you you know sometimes i think well maybe you know it's because we ate that slice of pizza right before you went to bed and your stomach was upset you know i don't know you know people have come up to me shared their dream with me and asked what do you think is the lord trying to tell me something well I tell them that certainly God does give dreams and we're going to see visions and like that in the Bible. We find instances of those. And surely he can speak to us in that way. But it doesn't mean that all dreams are from God and God is trying to speak to you. Uh, uh, someone said, I heard that we dream every night. We just don't remember that we did or remember our dreams. I thought, well, that's, that's interesting there. It seems to me the weirdest dreams have been when maybe I, did, I ate something in my stomach. It didn't settle well in my stomach. Or I was sick. I remember being small and I had a fever. I had the craziest, weirdest dream. Like the whole room got giant and huge and was pressing in on me. I don't know if you had that. But, you know, you know so we got to be careful on how much weight we put on to dreams. Now, before we go on, if you had maybe a troubling, quote-unquote, dream, maybe you're wondering, you know, there, there, there's some steps, there's some things that you can do to maybe even see, is this the Lord? And first of all, check the dream against what the Bible says. Because whatever, if God is giving you a message, it is not going to go against what the Word of God says. And that's why it's good we study the Word, we learn what it's saying, we learn what God is saying. So, so check the dream against what the Bible says. If it doesn't line up with the truth and principles we find in the Word, then you know what? It's not God. It's not God. Secondly, you can pray. 
Pray and ask God for discernment. Yeah? Pray and ask God for wisdom in it. James 1.5 says, ask God for wisdom and faith. And you know what? He's going to give it to you. God's not just going to give you a dream or a message and say, ah, figure it out yourself. No, you can pray. He wants to speak to us. He wants to help us. He wants to direct us and guide us. So first, check the dream against what the Bible says. Pray and ask God for discernment. And the third thing is, you know what? If you're still kind of struggling, seek out godly counsel. Go talk to someone, a, 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 a believing friend or your pastor or lead or someone. And, and you know what? When you do that, though, be open to what they say, even if, even if it, this, it's not the Lord. Yeah? Be open. Be open to that. Oh, man, I, I thought the Lord was going to give me that car, you know, kind of thing. No, if it's not the Lord, it's not the Lord. And the fourth thing you can do is take that dream and move it to the back of your mind in other words just file it away and see what will happen if it's true you know what? it'll come to pass if it's not true nothing will happen i remember one time someone came up to me when when my kids are small and i mentioned um that one uh, one of my boys i had a dream about him and this and this happened and 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 he just told me i i don't know if it's the lord i just want to tell you and i said oh thank you and i took that and i thought Oh, well, I don't know, Lord. So I fouled it in the back of my mind, and you know what? Nothing happened. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, but if it doesn't happen, it's, it probably wasn't true. It was just a dream. The thing is, we live in a time when people are constantly looking for meaning, for direction, guidance, especially in our crazy mixed-up world. But listen, if you don't have Jesus, it's much more scary, right? If you don't have Jesus. But with Jesus... We need not fear. You don't have to fear. You don't have to panic. Even if you don't understand the message, even though if you don't get it, no fear because as a child of God, you're in God's hand. And what's coming in the future, what's going to come to the past, what's going to come to pass, God has it all handled. No one really knows that. No one but God. And because of that, we can find peace and rest in him all right well let's go on here to number two in our outline the serious command no one knows but god we've seen the sleepless nights and now secondly the serious command let's go on here in daniel chapter 2 verse 4 then the chaldean said to the king in aramaic O king live forever tell your servants the dream and we will show the interpretation now stop right there now, the Chaldeans, they, in their customary approach to the king, they probably bowed down and say, O king, live forever, as they came into the throne room. Then they, they said, King, tell us the dream, and you know what? We'll give you the interpretation. Now, notice something here in verse 4. Daniel writes here, he's the author, and he says, They said to the king in Aramaic, which was actually the common language of the world at that time. So they all spoke in Aramaic, and so all of a sudden, he's saying, they said this in Aramaic. And you know what? We don't see it here in our English translation, but Daniel actually switches here in the writing to Aramaic, and he stays in Aramaic all the way to the end of chapter 7. 
Now, most of the commentators say it's because this section deals with the future events of the Gentile nation. But later, when Daniel writes about Israel's future and all that, he switches back to Hebrew. So, interesting thing here. Okay, then, in verse 5, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream, verse 6, and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Whoa, I bet they didn't expect that, right? The king answered, listen, my word is firm. In other words, I'm super serious about this, guys. I'm super serious right now. I'm going to give you this command. You tell me what my dream is. That's what basically he's saying. You tell me what my dream is and, 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 and its interpretation. And you know what? I'll reward you. I'll give you gifts and all and everything. But I'll tell you, if you don't tell me my dream and its interpretation, then I'm going to rip you apart and your house is going to get destroyed too. And then so he's like, therefore... You better tell me the dream and the interpretation. Now, it seems here we get this feeling that Nebuchadnezzar is kind of testing them, yeah, in this manner. I mean, he could have easily told them the dream, but he puts this out. He's saying, look, this is a serious command. That's our head, Ina. You tell me the dream and you interpret it. I'm serious here, he's saying, or else that's it for you guys. Well, look at verse 7. They answered a second time and said, well, well, king, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. I'm serious here. Verse 9, if you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You can kind of hear that yeah, echoing in that throne room. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. So you see, there's this test going on. You can almost feel the nervousness and the beat, beat of, of sweat dripping down the face of these, these royal advisors, right? Because they're like, uh, 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 king, tell us the dream and we can interpret. But the king sees right through them. He's like, I know what you're doing. You keep asking to gain time. In other words, you're just stalling. You're just stalling for time here because you know your life is on the line and you so-called wise men really can't read my mind. You really can't do what you claim to be do, doing. And, and then he says this. He says, oh, you've been really lying, he says here, right, to me, giving me corrupt words. And the other words, you know what, you guys just been deceiving me with these false prophecies, these false words, like, like you know, but you really don't know. You're, you're like starting to stall here and making things up and trying to say this until, what, times change, he said. And that means until maybe King Nebuchadnezzar lets this whole dream thing go, or maybe another king comes or another, the government changes. So Nebuchadnezzar says, therefore... You guys better tell me the dream and prove that you're for real. Prove you're not running a scam. 
So you can see this dialogue going on. You can kind of picture, almost see the little, you know, DVD playing, yeah? Here, you can see the king is seriously troubled by this dream. So he gives a serious command, and he gives serious consequences that if they don't give the dream interpretation, that serious things are going to happen, and he's seriously annoyed by these so-called wise men and seers. I heard a, a pastor years ago, he decided to call that, psychic hotline just for fun and so he calls them and first thing they ask him what's your name so the pastor's playing around with them he says you tell me you're the psychic and the hotline is person on the hotline is like no 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 that, that that's not how it works you tell me your name and a little bit about yourself, and then we'll give you what the spirit is saying about you right and the pastor, pastor says no i'm the one paying 200 or $2.95 a minute. And if you can't even tell me my name, then you're faking it. Interesting, huh? Well, in the same way, here's Nebuchadnezzar testing them. You tell me the dream and its interpretation. If you guys are really what you say you are, then tell me then. Well, with that, the, these advisors now confess that they really don't know. Look at verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The, king that the, the, the thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So it finally comes out. The truth is revealed. They don't know. They can't do what they claim to do. So they try to explain it away. The excuses come out, right? Hey, king, nobody can do this. I mean, even no king has ever even asked for this in history. It's so impossible. You know, only the gods who don't even dwell with us can do this. Well, that didn't go over very well because look at verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. The king was just upset now. He exposed their falseness. He exposed that they couldn't do what they claimed to do. And he ordered all the royal advisors to be terminated. So the king was, you can see, very serious about his serious command. You know, I think this is really interesting if we, if we pause just for a moment here in our story. I mean, think about this. Look at it this way. Remember, the Babylonian, the Babylonian Empire was a controlling yeah, empire at that time, right? Nebuchadnezzar came, took over all these countries. And here, here's Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful king in the world. And he couldn't figure out his own dream. Then the most powerful wise men who were part of King Nebuchadnezzar's court, the most powerful wise men in the world were at a total loss on even knowing what the dream was. They were both at a loss. You know what? They both found themselves at the end of themselves. Yeah? They couldn't do nothing about what was going on here. And you know what? I believe that's exactly God's plan here. I think this is exactly what God 
was, was bringing all these guys to this place where they're at the end of themselves, yeah? You know how we get at the end of ourselves and our trials and stuff, and all of a sudden, we have no strength. We can't solve the problem. We can't control things. We have no strength. We come to the end of ourselves, and what happens? We finally turn to God. And I think this is exactly God's plan. Which brings us to the point here. The frustrations revealed that no one can fully know and understand the thoughts of a person. The frustrations revealed that no one can fully know and understand the thoughts of a person. Nobody. Only God. Just yesterday I was reading an article, a Florida mother and her daughter, psychic teen, were arrested and sentenced for fraud. They were using eggs with snake embryos in it to convince people that they were cursed and then they would come and have the answer. And sadly, one victim even paid them $1.4 million. An article said another person paid $10,000. Sadly, people still believe that someone can know these things. So understand here today, do not be fooled. No person really knows about these things. I mean, now, God can reveal things, right? God can reveal things to a believer, I would say. And, and sometimes God gives a word and the Holy Spirit gives discernment, right? But it's usually people who are in the circle of God who are believers, right? And we know that the Word of God tells us things about ourselves, but only God really knows us personally and deeply. Only God knows what's in our thoughts and hearts and minds. And you know, he knows us better than ourselves. That's why uh, David even said, Search me, O God, right, in the Psalms. Know my thoughts. Show me if there's any wicked way in me. Now, understand this too. Sometimes demonic spirits will speak to those who've opened up to them and say things about someone, and it seems so real. But it isn't. It's all a charade. It's all a game. I think what happens is these demons will will do things to fool people into believing it's true. Yeah. Well, this is going to happen. And then it happens. You go, whoa, this medium knew, this psychic knew, and all that. And and you think that, wow, wow, he knows. But, you know, it's just tricks. They probably said, well, this is going to happen to you. And then the demon goes around and makes it happen. Right? I even think that um, perhaps they watch you know, study your life and study what you do. And so they can, they can kind of know what, what you're going to do and predict things. But it's just tricks of the enemy of Satan. Only God knows the thoughts and sees what's inside of a person. When some tried to test Jesus in Luke eleven seventeen, it says, but he knowing their thoughts. That's Jesus. When the scribes are questioning who Jesus was in Mark 2, verse 8, it says Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. And in John 2, 25, it says that Jesus basically needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. God is the only one who knows. No one knows but God. So, Trust the Lord in this, yeah? Trust the truths that we're seeing here. I mean, these guys, these, the astrologers and Chaldean guys, they didn't know. They couldn't do that. And know this too. If God knows, then God knows what's in your 
heart, good and bad. And that's a little scary. I was thinking about that for a moment, going, oh, Lord, that is scary. You know my bad. You know my failings. You know some of my, my sinful fleshly thoughts even. But I'm so glad that God loves me and gives me grace, and he still loves me anyway. Amen? So no one knows but God. Know that today. Well, let's go on to number three, our last heading here, the saving prayer. The saving prayer. No one knows but God. We've seen first the sleepless night, secondly the serious command, and now number three, the saving prayer. Daniel chapter 2, now verse 13. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Oh, the, 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 the story is like coming to this peak. Where, whoa, Daniel even, the writer, our hero, our guys, you know. Now, notice, it wasn't just the royal advisors that were targeted, but even the, I call them, the junior advisors, those who just graduated their advisor training. Remember back in chapter 1, we saw how Daniel and his friends were put into a three-year training uh, uh, program, right, to become these royal advisors. And then they went before the king. They were chosen to serve. They were, you know, in, uh, uh, serve the king in his court. Well, these guys are like the junior advisors. They graduated, and the main guys had gone and, and had an audience with the king. Now, you may say, but wait, but wait, Pastor Rick. You may be wondering, this is, we read earlier, this is King Nebuchadnezzar's second year of reign, but this is Daniel and his friends' third year of training. I mean, how, how we reconi- reconcile that? Well, understand, the Jews count the first year as a whole year, even if it was partial. And the Babylonians, they don't count the first year of, of, of the ascension of the king to the throne. Even though he was king, they call it that first year he was ascending to the throne. And they start year one, like the second year. So you see, it, it does actually coincide. But anyway, I don't want to break your brain. If you have questions, it's okay. I, I sat and thought about this for about half an hour, so it's okay. Come and ask me a question. But anyway, Daniel and his friends were in danger. That's, that's really what we see. So, verse 14. Then Daniel replied with prudence, which is wisdom, and discretion, another word for that is tact, so with wisdom and tact, to Arok, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. So Arok was tasked to kill all the wise men, to to tear them from limb and limb and destroy their house, right? So Daniel approached Arok with Wisdom intact. I mean, he had to, right? Because this guy is, it has been commanded to, to come and kill him. And so verse 15, he declared to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Ariok made the matter known to Daniel. So Ariok said, here's what's going on. And he told him the whole story about the king and the top advisors. And, and they needed to tell the king to dream, dream and interpret it all. And so he, he let know how this all came about and they, how they upset the king. And now all the advisors are to be killed, including Daniel, guys. And verse 16. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Now, this is super interesting, verse 16. 
Because somehow Daniel gets this audience with the king. We are not exactly sure how that happened. I mean, perhaps um, um, he went to the king and said, hey, no one, no one called us in, in, in with you. you know, what, we, we, I want to get some more information. Uh, perhaps Daniel, you know, didn't say, tell me your dream first. <laughs> he knew, don't use those words, stay away from that, you know, kind of thing. I'm sure, though, and this is what I think, when Dan, Daniel came in, maybe the king recognized Daniel as one of the newly graduated advisors that, whereas Daniel 1.20 says, 10 times better than all the other royal advisors. Remember? They had wisdom far above even everybody else there. So maybe the king thought, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. You know, they're way smart. They, they were way more, more gifted. And so maybe he gave an ear to Daniel. And I'll tell you, most likely, you know, this is what I think. Probably Daniel said, hey, king, I serve the living God. Let me go and seek him out and see if he might give me your dream and the meaning. Perhaps it was that. I, I kind of feel like it was that, you know, knowing Daniel. And so probably King Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, go. But you have 24 hours. I don't know the amount of time, but there was a limited time, right? The king was troubled. He wanted to know. So I'm just guessing maybe he was like, I'll give you 24 hours, but no more or else. All right, then verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house. And made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Remember the three guys, his friends there, right? Verse 18, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven. I love that, how he said, let's seek God's mercy. And remember, the Jews are in captivity under Babylon at this time because of their sin, right? Because... The nation went after idols and left God and rebelled against his word. And I like Daniel's humble attitude like, you know, maybe we deserve this, you know. Maybe this is just what it is. But let's seek the mercy from God, the God of heaven. And then concerning this mystery, that's the dream and its interpretation, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So basically, Daniel called an emergency all-night prayer meeting. And this is the saving prayer, our heading. Strauss wrote, in prayer, in prayer meetings such as this, history has been made. And I love that thought, you guys. He, he calls, come on, guys, we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting. We're going to get to prayer. We're going to seek God's mercy on this. And perhaps God would show us what the, you know, what the dream is, an interpretation I love that. They went to prayer, and I love what Strauss said. His, this, this, things like this is where history has been made, and certainly history was made, because look at verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. God answered their prayer. God gave them mercy. God gave them the dream and its interpretation. In the middle of this all-night prayer meeting, God revealed the dream and the interpretation here. So, look at what happened here. God gave the king a dream, but God gave Daniel and his friends a vision. I love how in, in uh, uh, also in uh, 
verse 19, Daniel did not run out to find the captain of the guard, but Daniel also blessed the God of heaven. He took the time to give worship and honor and glory to the Lord too. So Daniel answered and said, oh, well, let me back up for a moment. Sometimes, as I mentioned, we find in the Bible instances where God did speak through dreams, but we also find sometimes visions. And, and let me just give you this before we go on. Here we see both in the same story. Now understand, when God speaks in dreams, it's when you're asleep. When God gives a vision, it's when you're awake. So just, just so you have that. So Daniel's given this vision, and first thing he does, he doesn't go around and tell Arioch, but he blesses the Lord. He praises God. Look at verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. So now we're going to get into this prayer that Daniel gives to the Lord. And here we find, uh, very quickly here, I want to give you four parts to Daniel's prayer of praise. Four parts to Daniel's prayer of praise. And the first thing, God holds all wisdom and power. So, so he gives glory to God in that way, to whom belong, verse 20, wisdom and might. Daniel prays, oh, blessed are you. You're the one. You have all wisdom. Might here could be translated power. And basically what he starts out here is the outline of his prayer. Because the second thing, he praises the evidence of God's power. The evidence of God's power. Look at verse 21. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. And we'll pause there. Daniel sees now, after being given the vision, God's power in his sovereign control over events. For it is God who changes times and seasons listen the nlt translates this he controls the course of world events i like that and also god removes kings and sets up kings nebuchadnezzar was only there because god put him there to fulfill his will and plan and that's what daniel sees now that's what the interpretation shows him and then thirdly daniel breaks out in this praise and prayer the evidence of God's wisdom. The rest of verse 21 says, He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Verse 22, He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with Him. So Daniel sees this now, especially after receiving the vision, how God holds all wisdom and knowledge and God is the one who gives out that wisdom and knowledge. No one is wise on their own. And God is the one who reveals what is that deep and hidden things, like the darkness or the mystery of the king's dream. But, he says, light dwells with God. In other words, he alone knows all things, and that what he knows is the king's dream and interpretation. Then the fourth thing is that the evidence of insight given. Verse 23, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. So Daniel's like, you know, you've done this for me. This, the, the evidence that you are wise and powerful is this insight you've given me. Daniel didn't come up with it on his own. God has given it 
to Daniel this vision to be able to experience the wisdom and power of God. See, God who knows and controls the future, He has made known the dream and the meaning. So, after the saving prayer, Daniel here gives thanks to God. And I like that, you guys. Charles Simmons said, Our thanks should be as fervent for mercies received as petitions sought. I love that. Just as all, how fervent we are in prayer for God to answer our prayers, once He gives it to us, we should be that much fervent to say thank you and praise Him for that. And that's what we see here. Okay, our last verse now, verse 24. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. So we end with verse 24, with Daniel requesting to see the king with the dream and interpretation. And what is that? What's the dream? What's the interpretation? Well, we're going to see that next time. Cliffhanger, you guys. See, this makes you come back, right? Well, our last point is this. Daniel called on God, the only one who knows and controls the future. Daniel called on God, the only one who knows and controls the future. You guys, that's our God. That's our Lord. That's that's only... I heard someone, someone say this. You know, it's interesting how you go to a doctor whose name you, uh, you can't pronounce. He has degrees that you don't verify. He gives you a prescription you can't read. You take it to the pharmacist you never met. He gives you a chemical compound you don't understand. And yet, you don't hesitate to go home and swallow that pill. True, right? We trust that doctor because we believe he knows, right? But what about God? He knows, you guys. So shouldn't we trust him and what he says? God alone knows and controls our future. So let's trust Him fully. He knows us more than we know ourselves. He knows what's coming around the corner for us in our lives. He he has a plan and a purpose in all of this and orchestrating things, right? He knows what's up ahead. So shouldn't We trust His Word. We should, you guys. We should. Let's rest in that fact. I want to close with this story. A lazy and an unprepared college student was taking his economics final exam just before Christmas vacation. Since he didn't study, he tried to be a little funny and and try and get the professor to help him out here. So he wrote on his paper this, Only God knows the answers to these questions. Merry Christmas. Well, when the professor graded the papers, he saw this and wrote this note. 
God gets 100, you get zero. Happy New Year. <laughs> Let's remember that, you guys. Let's rest in the fact that God knows and He can control things and He loves us. So let's find peace that no matter what someone may do or say or whatever they try and convince you with, no one knows but God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. And as we have learned, God, as the, the truth about you is evident, Lord, that you know all things. You are omniscient, God, that nobody knows but you. And Lord, we take comfort in the fact that you, you love us and you care for us. And the God who knows all things is, is on our side, so to speak. If God be for us, who can be against us? So, Lord, let us rest in this truth that we have learned and seen today. And let us call upon you in our time of need when, when we need to know God sometimes. And, and we need wisdom and we need guidance, Lord. Lord, help us to run to you and to trust whatever word you give us, Lord. And to not just panic or give in to the fear, Lord, but to stand upon your word and what you say. God, I pray for anyone here today that has been in a panic and fear. They're facing a crisis, Lord, and troubles, Lord. They've been, Lord, having a hard time to even believe God and are looking for answers. And Lord, I pray that, that you would speak to them even as we worship you in this last song, if not already. And Lord, I pray that you would give them, God, the faith that you would open the eyes of their heart to see you and who you are, God. And just knowing who you are would bring peace even though we don't have all the answers right now. So, Lord, come and touch us all today, Lord. Settle us down. Give us peace. And may we trust in you and find the rest in the midst of our troubles. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all